Well, we're coming up to Easter Sunday, and it's a question that often comes with it. After he died on the cross, did Jesus descend into hell? And if so, what did he do when he was there? Well, that's our question on Wisdom 828, where we're dedicated to stamping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. Hi, I'm Bob Buchanan. Now, if you grew up uh, reciting the Apostles or the Nicene Creed, you might have noticed a difference between the two of them. One sentence in the Apostles' Creed says that Jesus descended into hell. The third day, he arose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven. But the Nicene Creed makes absolutely no mention of this. It simply states that Jesus, for us humans and for our salvation, descended and became incarnate, suffered and rose again on the third day, ascended to the heavens, and will come to judge the living and the dead. So, what's this story about descending into hell, and where does it come from, as in the Apostles' Creed? Well, first of all, the Apostles' Creed was a document that was created roughly 150 AD, perhaps in Rome, and not uh, written by any of the apostles. The creed was written to combat a heresy that was promoted by a fellow by the name of Marcion, a citizen of Pontus, which is a district in today's Turkey. He was an anti-Semite and an anti-materialist, meaning that he hated Jewish people and he believed creation was evil. He was a follower of Gnosticism, a heresy that grew up uh, to attack the gospel. Well, he moved to Rome in about 144 AD as a young man and founded a church to rival Christian orthodoxy. And since he was an anti-Semite, there weren't very many books of the Bible that he accepted. Uh, If a book of the Bible was written by a Jewish author, he rejected it. He rejected the entire Old Testament, but oddly, he accepted Paul's letters, who was a true son of Israel, and Luke's gospel. Well, he believed that the God of the Old Testament was cruel and arbitrary in his judgments, but Jesus, the God of the New Testament, was loving and gave salvation freely to all. It was kind of universalism. So an unknown author or authors uh, faithful to the scriptures collaborated to counter Marcion's heresy and created the Apostles' Creed as a rebuttal that Christians could easily remember. The Nicene Creed was written around the year 325 AD. Now, these creeds may be helpful uh, to the church, but they aren't authoritative, not in the way that scriptures are. And so, is there anything in scripture that would support the notion that Jesus descended into hell after his death on the cross um, and before his resurrection from the dead? Well, first, we need to think the way the Bible writers thought about the place of the dead. According to biblical teaching, the place of the dead was divided into three compartments, Sheol, the Hebrew name, or Hades, the Greek name, or Gehenna for the unrighteous dead. Abraham's bosom or paradise were for the righteous dead. And uh, then there is Peter's reference to Tartus uh, for the imprisoned rebellious uh, angels, the place for the exceptionally wicked. When Jesus died, his human soul continued to consciously exist in what theologians call the intermediate state, the existence between death and resurrection. Of course, Jesus' resurrection came three days later. The most important text that is often cited about Jesus' descent into hell comes from Peter's first letter in uh, chapter 3, verse 19, and he writes, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God 
being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Now, it's important to look carefully at the surrounding texts of Peter's letter because his main point isn't about Jesus' descent into hell, but rather his victory over death and hell. And Jesus didn't just win a victory. Peter's point about Christ's victory is meant to strengthen Christians who are being persecuted for the gospel. They are not to give up, but to be ready to suffer for the gospel, and if freed, or if need be, uh, to die for their faith. But what can we understand from Peter's reference that Christ proclaimed or preached to the spirits in prison who didn't obey in the days of Noah? The first observation is that Peter wants us to understand that when Noah was building the ark, Christ was preaching through him, so to speak, to the people of his day about the coming judgment of God. We read in Hebrews, for example, by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah's act of obedience was the spirit of Christ preaching for 120 years about the coming judgment. No one but Noah's family heeded the preaching of Noah. If for the sake of the argument, someone might say, well, let's just take these words, Jesus proclaimed something to the spirits in prison, just take them at face, face value. What might that be about? Well, this is the part of Peter's text that has caused the commentaries to be filled with lots of options. And it seems to me that Peter's theme is still the victory of Christ over death and hell. So, if Jesus descended into the compartments of Sheol, either paradise or Hades, or which one was it, or, or who was there, and what did he say in his proclamation? The argument makes the most sense to me is that Jesus proclaimed his victory over death and hell to the spirits in paradise. If that's the case, then these spirits were assured of their victory over death and hell in Christ. If he proclaimed the victory over the imprisoned spirits, then it was a tantamount to the permanent conviction handed down by a judge. I take this idea from Jesus' revelation of himself to John the Apostle in Revelation 1 as the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death and Hades. Death and hell are no longer ruling over their domains. Christ is. And this is the good news. Now, I believe that we can conclude that if we accept that Jesus descended into hell, it would never have been for the suffering of its torments, but for the proclamation of his victory. The place of the unrighteous dead is reserved for those who reject Christ and the gospel offer for salvation. The place of the righteous dead is paradise, which is basically to be present with the Lord. At the resurrection and the final judgment, believers will live forever with Christ in a world of love and righteousness, but unbelievers will be exiled to a place of torment, the outer darkness, where the fires never go out, and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus' victory over death and hell can belong to anyone 
who comes to Him for the forgiveness of sins. If you accept His offer, you will never be subjected to the judgment of God. Your judgment will have been placed on Christ who loves you and gave Himself up for you. There's no reason to delay. Do it today. Do it right now. You have an eternity to thank Christ for what He did for you. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for watching and thanks to Steve Dine behind the camera partnering with me to make every episode of Wisdom 828 a way to stamp out spiritual malnutrition so you be of good cheer.